guys. Uh, on today's episode, a quick foreign policy note. I've been a little light on my foreign policy talk since my uh, <laughs> famous 20-minute rant on the Middle East pod that got a lot of good feedback. And some thoughts over the horrific mass shooting in Georgia, plus a parting shot at the end. Uh, what's it going to be? I'm not quite sure. I'll tell you when I think of it. <laughs> All right, let's go. politics mostly podcast i'm your host peter ramirez guys in many ways the biden administration has been an unmitigated unmitigated success for progressives think about how we got here the democratic base coalesced around what many people thought was the most electable candidate Not the most liberal, not the most energetic, not the sexiest, in a non-literal way, of course, candidate. It took discipline. We realized uh, our ideal candidate was less important than having a Democratic president. (laughs) And making President Trump a one-term office holder was always the goal. And Democrats did it. And progressives didn't bitch or moan, at least as much as I thought they would, when Biden became the official nominee. It was either a Biden presidency or Trump show part two. I remember being really proud when I was reading polling over the Bernie and Warren supporters staying lockstep with Biden. You know, Trump made a real push for Bernie voters, particularly over the issue of, you know, a rigged system, trade, other issues. But it was literally like, you know, one or two percent of that base that went third party or Trump, which is incredible. You know, if you can get 98, 99 percent of Warren supporters in the primary to back Biden in the general election, that's a really high clip. Um, and Democrats were rewarded for this discipline. There was a lot of winning in November. I mean, we forget about it because it was so long ago, but there was a lot of winning in November. Biden beat Trump by, like, the population of Paraguay. (laughs) Seven million, it wasn't close. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Nebraska, second. Arizona, Georgia. We held on to Minnesota. Nevada, New Hampshire. I mean, we peeled off suburban vote from the GOP. We made inroads with college-educated whites. It was just, it was a huge huge success. And then, of course, we actually won two special elections in a historically red state. I was reading uh, some firm, maybe Goldman, had projected that, you know, if Republicans had held the Senate, the COVID relief bill would have been like $200 billion. <laughs> but because Democrats won, it ended up, it ended up being uh, $1.9 trillion, 20 times the size. That was actually good mental math for me, really quick. 
And that bill is something I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I promise, as I stated at the top, this is actually about foreign policy. Don't worry. Uh, the COVID relief bill was incredibly progressive. We strong-armed it through Congress in a budget reconciliation vote, <laughs> meaning we only needed 50 and we kept the moderate Democrats on the boat. And it calls for huge investments in communities of color, cutting the childhood poverty rate in half, direct payments to people making under $80,000. I mean, before this COVID stuff, has, has there ever been a monetary benefit that only working class people and not the 1% got? So the party has lurched leftwards, better reflecting the base, and you know people are happy, at least on the left. On the right, it's a fucking meltdown 24-7 on Fox News. Obviously, um, foreign policy, but you know, one area where progressives aren't happy is foreign policy. You know, foreign policy didn't really play a huge role in the election. It was mostly about COVID, Trump, the economy, blah, blah, blah. And before I go too hard on Biden here, I do want to give him credit for doing some good things, like re-entering the Paris Climate Accord, ending our disastrous and probably illegal war aid uh, in Yemen. You know, right, like there are some good things. I'm not saying it's all bad. But some of the things foreign policy-wise have just reeked of old establishment business as normal stuff, right? First, there was the decision not to punish MBS over the killing of the Washington Post journalist, Jamal Khashoggi. Um, you know, Biden did release the intelligence, intelligence report, which implicated MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. Um, it's more than what Trump did. You know, Trump actively sought to defend him <laughs> and Jared Kushner, who we'll get to in a second. Um, so at least, you know, there's some accountability there, some transparency. But they fell short of sanctions or a travel ban on MBS or something actionable besides, you know, a bad 24-hour news cycle for him. And, you know, next, besides, you know, not going after MBS, which most progressives, uh, which I would have liked him to do, um... There is this <laughs> there is this article that has a lot of people talking. Jared Kushner, remember him? Uh, he came out with a piece in the Wall Street Journal praising Biden's Iran policy. <laughs> and as most liberals noted, if Jared Kushner is saying you're doing something good, you're probably doing something bad. <laughs> it's that simple, right? If you're conservative and you're listening to this, and Trump did something foreign policy-wise, and Obama came out and said, Trump, you did a really good job here. What would conservatives react like? Probably wouldn't like whatever Trump did, right? <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. Besides the MBS stuff, besides the Kushner-Iran note, it just feels, like I said before, it's more of the same, right? There was that airstrike in Syria that senators correctly pointed out wasn't even legal. He seems to be dragging his feet over, you know, uh, bringing home our troops in Afghanistan. I, I, it just feels a lot like old centrist thinking, establishment thinking, old way of thinking. Not really reflecting that we've spent $6.4 trillion in the Middle East. We've weakened our country because of it. We've added to the deficit, to the debt because of it. We don't, we've lost, you know, over 4,000 American soldiers to it, countless more civilians to it. it and what, what have we gotten? What have we gotten in the Middle East? 
And this isn't me, some liberal guy screaming into a mic. I mean, honestly, like, what have we gotten from this? The creation of ISIS? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's maddening. It's maddening and it's more of the same. So that's just something I wanted to talk about at the top of the episode, this uh, dichotomy that's forming between Biden being a surprise for progressives domestically, how far we've come domestically in this country, and the COVID relief bill's part of that, the executive orders are part of that, um, but how there's this other part of the Biden experience from a foreign policy perspective where he just really isn't that progressive. We aren't thinking about new things. We haven't learned our lessons. Maybe you know, maybe 20 years from now we'll get out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. So keep an eye on that. Progressive domestically, progressive in Congress, not really that progressive in the Middle East and overseas. Uh, now to Georgia. First of all, you know, thoughts and prayers to the victims. I'm not going to say the shooter's name, obviously. And I'm not going to talk about the specifics of the crime. Right, I mean, it's been in the news for a few days now. You guys are probably listening to this episode on Friday or over the weekend. I mean, you, you know what happened. It's been um, a few, a few uh, days now. What I am going to talk about... Um, is a few thoughts I've had about it over the last few days. And the first one and the most powerful thought I've had is that words matter. Words matter. Okay, there has been, before this mass shooting of predominantly Asian women, uh, there has been a spike of hate crimes against Asian Americans, which many people think is because of COVID. Right, um, the Stop AAPI Hate Project documented 3,800 incidents um, since the pandemic, which is up 1,000 incidents uh, over the previous year. So, hate, you know, Asian hate crimes are rising quickly. And when President Trump said, former President Trump says things like the Kung Flu, um, the China virus, Right, uh, you know that stuff sticks with people, not with me or probably people listening to this, but there are people who view politicians as role models, as heroes, as you know borderline messianic figures, and if they're over here, you know, saying these you know hateful things about Asians, Asian Americans, then you know some people are going to listen to that. And before you say, oh, President Trump didn't say to go kill Asian women at massage parlors, he didn't have to. You know how I know it's racist what he says is because he wouldn't have said China virus or Kung flu as the news was breaking about a mass shooting involving Asian people as victims, right? He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done it. He would have waited a week, two weeks, you know, he wouldn't have come out in the same news cycle and said those things, those hurtful things. Because he knows, and it, it, I mean, he, he knows deep down that he's, he's contributing to this problem. Okay? You know, and, and by the way, you know, we love to, <laughs> as Americans, we love to blame, you know, huge swaths of people for problems, you know. And these problems, you know, like globalization and whatever, 
they're often very complex with a lot of actors. And but you know we like we like slogans. We like scapegoating. We like you know this is just you know Western style democracies. I guess everywhere too. But you know the the swine flu originated in North America in, in the United States. And you know there were there weren't people in Europe and Africa and Asia and Latin America calling it the American flu, <laughs> you know. And just because there you know the the swine flu started in America, you know I I wasn't responsible for that. So why why does like half of the country um, think it's okay to blame any person of Asian descent? For a virus that started in a specific province in a specific Asian country, you know they 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 didn't have any uh, involvement in that more than you and I had involvement in the swine flu. So that's that's my first take: is words matter, and President Trump needs to choose his words better. Luckily, he's speaking fewer words off Twitter. <laughs> the second thing is, you know, what that police chief said during that first press conference. Um, it was just awful. It was awful. I saw it in real time. I thought that was an awful thing to say. Like as soon as he said it, I, I just thought to myself, what the hell are you doing? He said um, he had a really bad day. You know, I can think of eight people who had worse days than this guy. What was he thinking? Right, I mean, he's, it, it almost provided like an excuse for him. Like if you have a bad day, it's okay to go out and shoot people. Awful, awful, awful. And of course, you know, once again, the, the perpetrator is a, a white male, which is, you know, dictating a lot of, a lot of this stuff. And I saw um, a news clipping here that <laughs> that uh, particular police officer had some social media uh, activity that had, you know, Asian stereotypes and, and like Facebook posts and stuff. So, okay, okay, good. Well done. Well done, police department. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, it's not just an, a race thing, it's also a gender thing. Because when you look at hate crimes across any um, group, right, African Americans, Latinos, uh, the LGBT community, um, Jewish people, uh, Muslims, right, they, researchers will generally find that about half of the crimes are against men and about half the crimes are against women. But with the Asian community, what they found is that the overwhelming majority of these cases, 68% of those 3,800 hate crimes this past year alone against Asian Americans, the, the victims were Asian women. So it's not just a race thing, it's also a gender thing. For whatever reason, um, people target the Asian community generally, but will also target Asian women specifically. So it's not just it's not just about race, it's also about gender. And when you know when when the the, the police officer is up there saying he had a bad day, it really just excuses violence against women, which is, you know, total BS. And you know the the third thing was we still have a gun problem in this country. We still have a gun problem in this country. You know, um, we've had a break in mass shootings because of COVID, right? Um, but now that lockdowns are lifting, people are going back to schools, movie theaters. You know, 
we didn't do anything to to solve the gun problem in this country. It's just going to come right back now that people are back outside and back moving around. You know, I saw that, you know, this person uh, bought guns legally right before committing the crimes. And uh, this person was also uh, in mental health uh, institutions for what people are calling a sex addiction. He supposedly killed these women because he would go and pay for sex at these massage parlors in Georgia. And, you know, he's he was raised in a religious household and, um, you know, he thought he was having a falling out with God and he took his rage and his inability to control his sexuality out on these innocent victims. And he was in like a halfway house, kind of, you know, it, it, uh, he was institutionalized. Um, and I saw his roommate was speaking out about what it was like there. He had a knife one time and he asked the roommate to take the knife from him. Uh, and then after he left that place, he went to like a, a religious faith themed um, place for addiction. You know, he should have been flagged. He should have been flagged. Uh, you have anger, documented anger issues, addiction problems, thoughts of suicide. I mean, he should have been flagged for the suicide alone, the suicidal ideation alone, let alone the damage he could have done to other people. And just the fact that he can go in and get it, you know, in minutes is, uh, to me, it just proved, yeah, we're, we're coming back to normal. Mass shootings are back, right? Like... The lockdowns are over, and this is just going to keep going unless we, we fix our laws. This guy should have been flagged. There's no reason this guy should have been able to walk into a store and, and buy guns legally with a documented case of anger issues, you know, r religious, uh, you know, intense religious, uh, you know, feelings that, that were pressuring him and and uh, an addiction problem and being institutionalized at least twice that we know of and had a knife and thought about killing himself. Like, this guy needed to be flagged. He shouldn't have been able to buy a gun legally. And he did, and people are dead now because of it. So those are my three thoughts. Words matter. Um... You know, there's been a documented rise in hate crimes against the Asian American community. We need to do more to address it. President Trump is at least partly responsible for that. Uh, two, I thought the police chief really botched it with the interview, uh, with the uh, press update, you know, almost excusing his de uh, behavior. Um, and three, uh, the gun problem the gun problem. It went away temporarily. It's coming back. It's coming back. I assure everyone there will be more mass shootings because they happen and no one decides to do anything. And we just throw up our arms and it's BS. I think it's the most anti-American thing I've ever experienced as an American in my life. That we have mass shootings and half of the country will just say, well, you know, thoughts and prayers. That's it. No legislation, no action, and then rinse, repeat, you know, same cycle.
We're not we're not breaking the cycle. We're not breaking the chain. You know, I'll be back next week. Maybe I'll talk about another mass murder that's going to happen between now and then. Right? We're not doing anything to prevent it. There's a lot of hate in this country. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of violence, and there's a lot of guns, and that's not a good mixture. And on that uplifting note, <laughs> here's my parting shot. You know, I've been watching a lot of Fox News recently. This is my parting shot. And uh, it's, it's on at, the, at the, uh, the new gym I'm going to. And it's always on mute, so I'm just kind of looking at you know, the chirons, like, you know, what the text says under the uh, video. And, you know, I'm old enough. I'm not an old guy, but I'm old enough to remember the why don't you call it Islamic extremism people. You remember these people, Republicans? Right, there'd be a terrorist attack, and then people would go to Clinton and and Kerry and Obama and say, "Why don't you call it radical Islamic terrorism?" Now, as it happens, most of the terrorism we're experiencing today is, you know, this like white nationalism stuff. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't even remember the last time there was a and as an as extreme Islamic terror jihadist uh, attack on American soil that killed American citizens, maybe San Bernardino. I, I, I really don't remember. It's been a long time. And of course, that's a very real threat we should take seriously. But I'm, I'm old enough to remember that being a big discussion on Fox News and right-wing media, right? Why doesn't Obama call it extreme, radical, Islamic terror, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, the answer is always, well, you don't want to declare war on a religion, right? Um, but I was, you know, I, I, you know if, if someone called it Islamic terrorism, I, I wouldn't call that person Islamophobic uh, either. So, I mean, I, I understand it, but it was, it was just like this obsession. It, it, we, the, the right-wing media bubble talked less about the attack itself, how it could have been prevented, why is it happening? You know, the who, what, when, where, why stuff. And just relentlessly focus on this one aspect. Why, aren't they, why are they calling it this and not this? So now, I'm, that was the setup. Now I'm seeing the very same debate about a different issue. Joe Biden won't call the border situation a crisis. The Bidens. The Biden won't call the border a crisis. First of all, the, the, this is a an a this is a one side issue. You know, the right doesn't even call it man made climate change, right? <laughs> I mean, there are a million things. Um, you know, the the right doesn't even adequately describe an issue. You know, it's. It's gun control. It's not gun safety. It's pro-life. It's not anti-choice. You know, they, they, it's the same name games they'll play too. But it's really become so fascinating to me to watch the sporter stuff. Just in the sense of, you know, if you look at border crossings, you know, I thought it was going to be like a 10 times spike by how much they're talking about it. It's up like 20%, 30%. And if you look at like a bar graph over the decades, it's, you know, it's in a normal fluctuation. And people are trying to somehow pin, pin, you know, the recent influx on Biden, which, of course, is a stretch. 
So it's, so just just be careful about the uh, the name games. You know, Biden. Why won't Biden call it a crisis? Why won't Biden call it a crisis? Well, first of all, why won't you call it man-made climate change? <laughs> why do you call it pro-life? Why do you you know? If you want to play the name game, we can play the name game. Um, and secondly, you know, Biden's over here trying to talk about having Mexico stop the flow of migrants. I just saw we're shipping Mexico like two and a half doses of the vaccine that of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which I talked about in last episode, which isn't even approved in the U.S. So we had all the stockpile. It's not even approved. We're giving it to them. And, you know, the um, the rumor, if you believe this stuff, is that they're they're going to stop the flow of people coming in in exchange for all these vaccines we're giving them. And um, so, yeah, just be careful with the name games is kind of what I'm saying. And this is kind of morphed into a long parting shot. This is more of like a third segment. <laughs> but careful with the name games with the right. They love to kind of like pin Democrats with these, you know, call it Islamic terror, call it a crisis on the border. How about we talk about the solutions to stop the problem and not the problem, you know, what Frank Lutz right wing focus group wants to call it, you know. Why don't we focus on the solutions? And that's my party shot. Hopefully it was a good one. Totally winged most of this episode. Um, Trying to do more like extemporaneous stuff, more just what's coming to my mind, more conversational, less like me typing out stuff and reading it. So hopefully you guys liked it. Um, Really appreciate it, all your help. Um, My numbers have been really good recently, so I really appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. And uh, I'll see you guys soon. Thanks so much. Bye.